In the Mishnah, the Chachamim say it's impermissible to do this Tzuliyah on Shabbat, to hang the filter on Shabbat. And when they say it's impermissible, what is the violation here? What's the problem? So Tala, if he went ahead and did it anyway... My, what's the din? I'm Rav Yosef, Tala Chayav Chatat. Rav Yosef suggests that that's an Isr de Oraita of placing the filter over the cover of the basket or barrel, whatever you're putting the filter over. Amrlay Abaye, so Abaye says to him, Elamiato, that's the case, Tala Kuza Besichta Chanami de Mechayev. You hang a pitcher on a peg on the wall, which the Rabbanan answered, you're going to be Chayav de Oraita. It's an Isr de Rabbanan. The Amr Abaye Abaye says, Mid Rabbanan he, Shaloyase, Kederach Shose Bechol. It's an Isr de Rabbanan, an Isr de Rabbanan that doesn't derive from any particular problem, but simply that we don't want you acting like you do on a weekday. We don't want you performing things the exact same way that you do them on a weekday because, number one, it will ruin the spirit of Shabbat, and number two is that you might come to do malachot, or things that are asur on Shabbat. So over here, it's asur midirabanan, according to Abaye. Midinokit Abaye Chumrei Matnita. So Abaye assembled, aggregated, individual or discrete bright oats, and he brought them all together. And all of these issues were Asur Midrabanan or Mutar Rabbanan, and he brought them together. He's saying them all in one shot, despite the fact that they were found in numerous bright oats. That is, Hagod, Vamishameret, Hila, Vikisei Galim, Loyaset. These are things that you may not do on Shabbat. Vimasah, if you did do them, Patur of Asur. It's Asur Midrabanan. Now these problems are all issues of we call OLRI, making it an OL on Shabbat. But since it's an OLRI, it's only an Isur de Rabbanan. Good is a large flask that they used to take with them on journeys. And whenever they got to their pit stop on the journey, they used to hang this flask up. It seems like they put up posts, and they tied the edges of the flasks to the posts, and that kept the, whatever was in the flask cool. Allow it to be exposed to the wind, allow it to stay cool. But by placing the flask or tying its ends to these poles, you set out the equivalent of an ohel, or some sort of covering that was on top of these poles. The Mishameret is what we saw from our Mishnah, and that's what Abaye commented on. Before, the Gemara seemed to indicate that it was Over here, the aggregation of these items seems to indicate that the problem is a problem of Olarai. You're placing the cover over the walls of the barrel, the walls of whatever item, and that is the problem of the Mishameret. Kila is a canopy, canopy bed. We're going to deal with that in more detail later on in the Gemara. Because Galin, and it's not a wave chair. Rashi says here that it's a Kisei, that is equivalent to what we saw earlier in the Masechta called the Mita Galalnita. There's a location, a place called Galalnita. And this Kisei Galin is similar to that Mita Galalnita. And the nature of that Mita Galalnita was that it came apart. It was a bed that came into pieces and then you put back together. The Sotovir, this is a chair that comes to pieces and then you can put it back together. There, the problem was not a problem of Oel. The problem was that Shema Yitzka Bidochak. Because you push it together tightly... And you lock it together, and it'll be like Pone on Shabbat. And that's what the problem of this Kisei Galin is. Tosafot disagrees and says that 
which one of these doesn't fit? You have three things that are problem of all awry, and then all of a sudden you have this kisei galin that's about screwing it together or putting the pieces together very tightly. That doesn't make sense. And he says that the kisei galin is not what Rashi suggests that's similar to this mita galmanita, but el elohein ge'ein mita shiposimila or basur mishum ohel. It's a bed that the frame was already there, and you just have to put on the skin or the mattress on top of it. So it's equivalent to the other cases here where you're creating an ohel arai on top of a frame that exists already. Yeah, maybe. Over there it's attached. It would have to be detached. The mattress or the base of the portico would have to be detached, but that would be similar in that way. And then, Ole Keva Loyase. On the other hand, things that are permanent, Olim, permanent structures, you're not allowed to make. Vimasach Hayav Chatat. If you do that, then you're Hayav Chatat. So the items that we mentioned until now, those four items are Asur Midrabanan. If you make an oil keva, then it's a sumidoraito. Aval. Here are the items that are mutar. Mita, vikisei traskal, vasla, mutar lintotan lechatchila. Those you're allowed to put out, or those you're allowed to have, lechatchila. Now the mita, as Rashi describes, a mita shlanu, amichuberet veomedet. That is already attached. It's built out. Mita skufa, umutal tida. They used to stand it up, or they used to put it on its side, somewhat akin to a Murphy bed. That's up against the wall to make room in the house. Mutar din tota yeshval raglea. You put it back down on its feet, even though when you put it down on its feet, it's going to create an ohel. Avagav dahashta avid o shori. Delo midayovit. You didn't do anything. Elo di etbuta abalma. You just laid it down in its normal position. Suppose when you have the bed frame, and then you're putting the mattress or the skin on the bed, then that last addition that you do makes the ohel. That's problematic. Over here where the bed is fully assembled, altogether, all you're doing is putting it down. It was laid up, and now you're putting it down. That is not a problem of ohel. Kisei traskal is the equivalent of a folding chair, type that you have when you go out to the park that has four legs and it has some canvas in between it. That type of folding chair where you open it up and it has posts and then the canvas comes out, that's fine on Shabbat. Again, the same reason, which is that it's already assembled. Everything's together, everything's assembled. As soon as you bring it away from the wall or you open it up, everything's in place. Asla is, like the modern day word, means it's a toilet. In their day, a toilet didn't mean indoor plumbing, meant that they had a seat that had a hole in the middle. So again, the seat unfolded, and then there was a hole in the middle for one to go to the bathroom in. That type of seat, again, is mutar on Shabbat to open up. It's, again, all in place. Everything's affixed already, and you're simply extending that which is in place already. Those are mutar on Shabbat. And then the Gemara discusses what's mentioned in the Mishnah, which is vein notnim letuyah Shabbat. Now let it put into the filter on Shabbat. Ibailu. Shimer mai. If he actually did this, he poured whatever it was through the filter, What's the din? Amar Rav Kahana, Shimer Chayav Chatat. That is a violation do raita of putting the thing through the filter. And Matki Flarav Sheshit, Mi Ika Mide Drabanan Mechayve Chatat, Rabbilezer Sheri Lechatchila. Something I discussed most earlier in the Mesechta. The Gemara is not comfortable having two opinions be so far apart. Because the way we have it structured now in the Mishnah, Rabbilezer says, Tolina to Mishmer de Yom Tov. You're allowed to put these items through this filter on Shabbat. Perfectly mutar. No problem at all. And then you have the Chachamim who say you're not allowed to put it through on Shabbat. 
And the way we have it described now, according to Rav Kahano, is that you're Chayev Chatat. Means you have an Isra Doraita, according to the Chachamim, and Mutar the Chadvila and Ravilezer, they're at the extremes, right? The goalposts. You don't have any middle ground that would balance. You would assume that if Ravilezer says Mutar the Chadvila, Rabbanan would say Asu or Mita Rabbanan. Or if the Rabbanan say Asu Doraita, that at least Ravilezer would say Asu Dorabanan. To have them so far apart, Rav Sheshit says, we're not comfortable. Mat Givla Rav Yosef, Allah Malo. How is it that we're not comfortable? Hooray. We have a case like this. Zahav. case of the Yershel Zahav, which was a piece of jewelry that women wore in their day, which had a picture of Yerushalayim in gold, and was worn as some sort of tiara, crown. The Rabbi Meir Mechayev Chatat, you go out with that, Rabbi Meir says, Yechayev Chatat. Rabbi Leezer, Shari L'Chatchila, Rabbi says, it's Mutar L'Gamre. And so you have a spread again between Chayev Chatat and Mutar L'Chatchila. Same type of thing, Yisra Doraita versus Mutar L'Gamre. Where it says, Mayi, wait, wait, you have to look at that case over there. That's not so simple. The Tanyo, Evan Tosef, thought that there's really a third opinion there, which is, Lot, they'd say, Yishab Be'ir Shelzav, Vim Yatzach Chayev Chatat, Divrei Rabbi Meir, which is Rabbi Meir's opinion we just saw. Ve'chachamim Omrim, Lot, they'd say, we say she shouldn't go out, Vim Yatzab Tura. She goes out, Tura Aval Asura. Rabbi Meir says Chayev Chatat because it's a burden. It's not an adornment. It's something that's excessive. Never she's Chayev Chatat. On the other hand, the Chumim believe that she could wear it. It's an adornment. What we're afraid of is her taking it off to show to her friends and carrying it. Dalad Amot Bishud Rabim. So here you have an Yisur Rabbanan. Rabbi Lezer Omer Yotzai Shabir Shulzav Luchatchila. Rabbi Lezer then says that you're allowed to go Mutal Luchatchila. His reasoning is that who wears an Yisur Shulzav? A wealthy woman. Because there's no one who can afford it. Wealthy women don't take off their jewelry to show to other people because of their standing status, social standing. Amar Lebaye, Mi Savart, Rabbi Lezer, Ad Rabbi Meir Kai. Rabbi says, Rabbi Lezer is not addressing Rabbi Meir. Tamar Chayevet Chatat, which would have made the difference between them so great. Ad Rabbonon Kai, Tamar Patur Avalasur. So in the case that you brought as proof that there is this type of spread between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Eliezer, we showed you through the Tosefta, there's actually a middle opinion. And when Rabbi Eliezer says, Mutter de Gamre, he's addressing the position of the Chachamim. And he says the Chachamim, no, it's not Asur Midirabana, it's Mutar Lechatchila. Now, Tosefta over here says, Lo Yitah Rabbi Maika Mishan. He says, I don't understand the answer of the Gemara. Right, in the end, you have two opinions that are far apart. But I think it is more understandable, which is that once you do have a middle opinion, right, each one is only one step away from the other opinion, so you have a range of opinions. It's true that the two extreme opinions are far away from each other, but the fact that there's someone in the middle, the middle ground already makes it that we have, within the framework of this machloket, we don't have anybody being so far away from each other because there's always that middle ground. In our machloket, we're missing that middle ground, we're missing that individual that takes that middle position. So now the Gemara leaves that, does not address it anymore, it leaves it in place, but it obviously is something that bothers the Gemara, and doesn't seem that the Gemara has a solution in our case, where here we have the Rebbe and the Chachamim, and we don't have any middle ground, any middle person here. And the Gemara says, Mishum Maimachrin Beit. What do you have to warn him for? What type of warning do you have to provide this individual that he's Chayav on Shabbat? What is he violating, basically? What Isur is he violating that you're warning him? Rabbah Amar Mishum Borer. Rabbi says, it's a problem of Borer. Rabbi Zerah Amar Mishum Mirakeid. And Rabbi Zerah says, it's a problem of miracade. So now, they're each going to give their positions. What's difficult about this is that if you remember back on Ein Gimel Amud Bet, the Gemara discussed the 39 Malachot. Over there, when it discussed Borer and Mirakade, Gemara at the bottom of Ein Gimel Amud Bet, towards the end of that Dav, says that certain Malachot are very similar to each other, so similar that they're actually one Malacha. The Gemara there says at the bottom, Hainu Zoreh, winnowing, Hainu Borer, 
selecting. Hainu mirakeid, sifting. They're all one melacha. They're all considered to be one category of melacha, a single melacha. Yet, over here, you have the Gemara differentiating between borer and mirakeid. They're saying, oh, give a trial for borer, give a trial for mirakeid. What's the difference between them? The Gemara over there says they're one issue, they're a singular entity. The second issue is something that's discussed by Tosafot over there, which is whether we give Hatra'ah v'toldah b'makom av. When you have to give Hatra'ah, give the Hatra'ah based on the toldah, or can you just provide the av? Tosafot over there says that you don't have to give Hatra'ah v'toldah b'makom av. One of the problems for Rishita is argument over here. Because, Aval Beresh Perk Tolin, which is our Perk, Mashman Ketzat, Tzarech L'Hadrot HaToldah Mishumav, Kamar Mishamer Mishumai, Matrin Bey. Over there, when you have the toldah, do you have to state the av that you're violating? You can just state the toledah. Why can't you just say, don't do mishamer? Why isn't that enough? Why does he have to figure out which av melacha he's in violation of, and then tell him when he does the toledah that he's doing the av melacha? It says that our Gemara says, Mashaptad, Zarek Lachrota, Tolda Mishumav. Gamar Mishamir Mishumai Matrinbe. Rabba Mar Mishum Borer. Vizera Mar Mishumarakeid. Says, Vagam Yezeh Yeshlitchot. We can push this off. Ta'achi Perushom. Shumai Matrinbe Shei Chayav. What can you say that he'll still be Chayav? Meaning that if you say the wrong thing, then he won't be Chayav. So they're not trying to tell you what you have to say. You could say Mishamir and that would have been sufficient. Just they want to know if you said the wrong thing, which would be the wrong thing to say over here. Is it Mirakeid or is it Borer that you're saying that would have been the wrong thing? When we say that these are all one item, I know Zareh, I know Berer, I know Mirakeid, since they're all one item, then what is the difference here? Why are they suggesting that there's a difference? We're going to see in a second that the Gemara says there is a different nature to the Malacha, and therefore one may not be subsumed under the other completely. And that since they are slightly different, then you can't call this an Av, or this is not the proper Av to associate with Mishamer. You have to know that there is an Av that looks more like some of them might cast a broader net. They might include more than one item, but there's still some sort of unique properties to them. Aside from the fact that they all accomplish the same thing, it's accomplished through a different methodology. It's accomplished through a different methodology. You have to be careful about how you say that. Zeratoswit says that you have to be careful. You warn him about something that is not really what he's doing. You're making fun of him. You're poking fun of him. Hey, don't do that. And he says, well, I'm not doing anything like that. So then he thinks you're poking fun of him and not really warning him. Because of that, you have to get something that is as close as possible to the proper av or to the item that you're trying to distinguish over here. So the Gemara says, Amarabba, Kavati didi mistavro. Like I'm saying makes more sense. Ma darkosho borer. What's the way that you do borer? Notel ochel. Omeniach psolet. You take out the good stuff and you leave behind the bad stuff. Avacha. So to over here. Now I mean notel to ochel. Omeniach et psolet. You're taking out the ochel and you're leaving the psolet behind. The mishameret. The sifter keeps the bad stuff and the good stuff goes through and you're keeping the ochel. Amarabba, Zera kavati didi mistavro. Like me, it makes more sense. The sifting process works where you let the finer flour go through, and the coarser flour stays up in the sifter. So the psolet stays up top, and the ocho drops to the bottom. So to over here with the mishameret. Mishameret pulls out the dregs and lets the liquid, or whatever is going through, go to the bottom. So they each give you a reason why their position is better. Rashi says over here, Denota ochel miniach tzolet, Udarabo, hua din nami, di atrebe mishum raked havi hatra'a. According to Rabo, if you said miraked, it would also have been true. Abel Rabbi Zeira, yi atrebe mishum borer lav hatra'ahi. It's a dummy the borer. So Rashi says you have to differentiate. According to Rabo, both of them were good. He says not only is miraked a good uh, comparison, so too is borer. 
But Rabbi Yezera says, no, it's only Merakeid and not Borer. Because the Lodami de Borer, Shochelamata, Absolut de Mala. Borer doesn't work that way. Mashenke be Borer, Kinich, Absolut de Mato. And when you're doing it with Kinich, then the bigger, if you use beans or legumes and you did Borer with that, then the coarser material or the things that you want to get rid of go to the bottom and the beans stay on top because they're larger. It says, therefore, Rabbi Zera is particular and says it has to be Merakev. Rabbah is saying that not only Merakev can be true, but also Borer. Because likely Rabbah is picking up on what we said earlier in the Masechta, that they're the same thing. That Merakev and Borer are similar enough that we can warn on either one of them. Now, David asked the question, which is a big halachic problem, because we know that the way Borer works is that you're taking the psolet out of the ochel, taking the bad stuff out of the good stuff. That is the way that Borer works. And halachically on Shabbat, if one fulfills all three requirements, which is miyad, it's done for immediate usage, immediate utility, biyad is done by hand, and ochel mitok psolet, and you take the food out of the psolet, then it's mutar on Shabbat to do Borer, to do what you need for your particular meal. But there it's clear that you're doing ochel mitok psolet is not considered to be borer, and that's what the Gemara says earlier. Tosafot already notes that. He says, There, the Gemara says that borer is considered to be psolet mitok ochel. And over here, Rabbi is calling borer to be ochel mitok psolet. So Tosafot answers in glal gadol and says, depends which there's more of. Nature of borer is to pick out whatever there's less of. So normally you have more ochel and you have some psolet. So then you take out the psolet. And that's what it's talking about in the Gemara in glal gadol. Picking out the psolet is borer. In our case over here, the case is where the psolet exceeds the ochel. And therefore you would take out the ochel and not the psolet. Because the easier thing is to remove the smaller item. To leave the larger item behind. So therefore, over here, the Ochel Mitok Psolet is in a situation or a case where the Psolet far exceeds the Ochel. And that's how he deals with the issue. He says, Borer is not necessarily Ochel Mitok Psolet or Psolet Mitok Ochel. It means the lesser of the items from the larger item. You're filtering out or taking out that which you don't want or what you want, depending on which there's more of. If it's more of what you don't want, then you take out what you want. More of what you want, then you take out what you don't want. But that's the nature of Borer. And that's how Tosavot solves or reconciles with an Gemara and the Gemara back on Ayin Dawid Amud Aleph. Tani Rami Bar Yechezkel. We have this memra from Rami Bar Yechezkel. Talit Kfula. We have a double, a folded over Talit. Lo Yaseh. Can't make it. Yemasah Patur Valasur. And if you did that, then it's Patur Valasur. Obviously, folding over a Talit is not a problem on Shabbat. The problem here is that he places it up on four poles to sleep under it. He makes for himself a little shaded area where he wants to lay down. So he puts up this talit fula up on the four posts in order to lay under it. And Rashi says, Roshav mikaplim They fold over the posts a little bit so that it's hanging down to the ground a little bit. Not only is the top protecting him, but it has some of the shade coming down on the sides as well. And therefore, it's acting like an ohel. It's a problem of ohel arai. So masab patur avalasur. It's not clear exactly with the nature of what is being described over here, but the general gist of what it is is it has a string on it. It has a string on it because it's already there. It's already hung up before Shabbat. And by pulling on the string, you're able to extend it. And this is what we know about Shabbat, that you're allowed to be mosif al-olari. You're allowed to extend an existing olari. So we talked about this with the canopy that's already extended. It's already open a tefach. If there's already an OL that exists, then you can pull it to side to side in order to extend the OL further. So the string here is what's the enabling factor to pull it out 
to stretch it out because it's already partially laid out. It's already set up. You just need to extend it. By pulling the string, then you extend it. And that's Mutar and Shabbat because that's Mosif al-Olarai. Vaimine Ravgana Mirav. Hila Mahu. Avgana asks Rav, what's the din of a kilo of a canopy over a bed on Shabbat? Amarlei af mita sura. Says, what are you asking me about the canopy? The bed itself is problematic. Then he comes back, he says, okay, well now that I know there's a problem with beds, mita mahu. What's the din with mitot? He says, amay af kila mutarit. Even the canopy is mutar. Says, well, okay, if you're equating the two, let me ask, kila mita mahu. What's the din of a bed and a canopy? Amarlei kila sura mita mutarit. Kila, the canopy is a sura and the bed is mutarit. Velokasha. Now the Gemara says, okay, let's reconcile. There are three situations that Rav addressed. They're going to give an example in each of these situations. Adekamar, when Rav said, that the mita is even asuras kide karmenai. It's similar to, Rashi says, hainu galalnita. That's the equivalent of the mita galalnita that we saw back on Daf Mem Zayin. That's what Rashi quoted before by the Kisei Galin, that it's the same thing. This bed that breaks apart, and then you can reassemble the bed, and it's a problem again of putting the bed together. Rashi also says, Lashon Acher, Karmenai, Mochreit Bigdei Pishtan, Mochrim Aleim. That it's the sellers of linen that use these as their tables for their wares, or their beds that they go, but they put their wares on it. They used to either reassemble it or put on the sheet on top of it, but will create an Olarai. And that's what's problematic. That's why he said not only is the canopy problematic, but the bed itself is problematic when you make the Olarai on Shabbat. When you put out the mattress or the skin or whatever it is going to be the inside the frame of the bed, that's problematic on Shabbat Midir Next case, When is the Kila It's like the case of Rami Bar which you saw before, where it already exists, and you're just simply extending it. It's an ORI that's pre-existing, and you just have a string, you have a way to roll it out, it extends what already is in place. The last scenario where... The canopy is problematic and the mitah, the bed is fine. Kedidan, like our beds. Rashi says that are stood up. It's like the Murphy bed that we spoke about before. That the bed is standing up and you simply put the bed back down. So there it's all assembled, everything's together. You're simply laying out the bed from its standing position into the flat position where it'd be usable. Amar of Yosef, Chazina lehu dekilei debei Rav Huna. I saw the canopies in the house of Rav Huna. Demeurta negidu. At night they were stretched out. Omitzafra chavita ramio. And in the morning they were strewn on the floor. Meaning that they disassembled them on Shabbat. Indicating that... Disassembling them as well as assembling of them would have been fine. That there's no problem of Ohel when it comes to these canopies of the Bey Ravuna. The Gemara does not do is tell you what they look like or what these canopies of Bey Ravuna are. Tosafot suggests that the Gilead de Bravuna are Kedrami Barcheskel Havu. Similar to the Ohel that was described before by Rami Barcheskel, which is you have a string on it and you're able to es- extend it and retract it on Shabbat because the ORI remains in place. Somewhat difficult explanation only because the way he describes it in the morning is that it's on the strewn on the floor. It sounds like they completely disassembled it, but whatever you had here, this Kilo de Beiravuna was a permissible canopy. We're going to see in one second exactly how you get to a permissible canopy. Put up a screen on Shabbat, is fine. You're allowed to put it up, and you're allowed to take it down. Rashi Lashitato says why. If you look at the last Rashi on the Amud, he says the reason why is because it's a wall. Shein Oel, Elamisha Suikein Gad. Rashi said this earlier on in the Mesechta, that when it comes to an Olarai, the problem of O and Olarai only refers to the top, to the Gag. 
Tosafot over there disagreed and said that we see sometimes that the Gemara does call an OL or an OL Arai a Binyan Arai. Anything you build, even walls, temporary walls would also be problematic according to him. So for Rashi, there's no problem here because he didn't put on a roof. He didn't do anything. According to Tosafot, you would have to say that either the Vilon was pre-existing and you're just moving the screen around and that's why it's fine or that it's similar to Rambi Barcheska where the screen exists and you're just extending what's there. You're mostly Olarai, you're not creating a new Olarai. Amar Shmuel Mishum Rabichia, Kilat Chatanim Mutalim Tota, Mutalaforka. A canopy, a wedding canopy. You're allowed to put out on Shabbat, and you're allowed to disassemble it on Shabbat, because it's different than the other kilot. He says, Lo dami l'shar kilot. A normal canopy, Rashi says, Shishar kilot pusot agabe kinuf. dalid rigalim. So in the normal canopy, you have the bed, and the bedposts extend upwards, and the canopy is over the bedposts. So it has four bedposts, and the canopy stretches across the four bedposts. In the Kailat Chatanim, it's made like a tent, which is that there are a post at the end of the bed, the foot of the bed, and a post at the center of the head of the bed. And then you have a pole that runs between them, and then the canopy hangs over from the top. It's like a triangle coming down, like the old tent, like a pop tent. Then it comes down and to across the sides. So that's a Kailat Chatanim. So that's allowed because it's different. Then the canopy, a regular canopy, it's clear that you're making an ohel. Put it on top, you're making an ohel. If you stretch out the canopy on the top, you're stretching across four areas, it's clear that you're creating an ohel. And that's a problem of Ola Rai on Shabbat. Kilat Chatanim is not problematic because you're not creating an ohel. Why are you not creating an ohel? And we'll see by the qualifications of the Gemara why you're not creating an ohel. That's as long as the roof doesn't come to a point that is a tefach Y. And if it comes to a point, then there's no ohel. Ohel is only created, we know that the dimensions of an ohel have to be in a tefach cubed. That's made a tefach by a tefach by a tefach. Tefach wide, tefach long, that you have. Problem is you don't have a tefach at the top, which is the extension. The top of the roof doesn't extend the tefach because it comes to a tight point. And so because of that, it doesn't qualify to be an ohel. So that's why it's not classified as an ohel. But if at the top, instead of it coming to a point... Say you have a nice long plank at the top that goes across, and therefore there's a flat area at the top, and then it drops, then that would be problematic because then it would extend at least the tefach. There would be a tefach at the top, and that would be a problem of Valarai. Aviyesh begaga tefach asura. V'chei ein begaga tefach. Now you're running. Elu she'ein bepachot mishlosha samuch legaga tefach. Then the qualification now extended, which is it doesn't just have to be a tefach wide at the point, at the roof, where it comes to the top of the tent, even if it's a tevach wide in the first three tefachim that it drops down, that would also be problematic, because we know the din of three tefachim is lovud. It's considered if it doesn't exist. So if you're within three tefachim of the peak of the tent, and as you drop down those three tefachim, the tent extends, or the canopy extends more than a tefach, then you do have a roof now. You have a roof that's a tefach wide, because within three tefachim of the top, you have it already a width of a tefach, and since three tefachim is considered a lovud, as if it doesn't exist, it's as if that's pressed up. That is the roof of the tent. That's the roof of the canopy. And now you have a tefach wide at the top, and that'll be a problem of all arrive. Lo amran ela sheim b'pachot mishlosha samoch legat tefach. Ava yesh b'pachot shlosha samoch legat tefach. The tefach wide within three tefachim at the top, a sur. And then the last qualification, which is v'lo amran ela sheim b'shipua tefach. As long as trap doesn't have a tefach, yesh b'shipua tefach. Then, if you have a descent in the wall of the tent, if it descends at a very sharp angle, 
then it's not considered to be a top. It's not considered to be a roof. And it's considered to be the wall, not the roof. But if it extends down at a wider angle, then the walls act like the roof as well. That's how a tent functions. A tent is, walls are also the roof at the same time. The same thing in sukkah. Maybe if you have a sukkah that's made, instead of having walls and then a top to it, what happens if the schach goes down on an angle? Is that schach also going to be the wall and the roof? Can you have such a thing? So that's the Gemara and Sukkah discusses. That's why you can see there's a cross-reference of the Gemara and Sukkah. But over here, the Gemara suggests that if the angle is wide enough that the canopy goes down, and a shipua tefach, then you have an ohel. Even though you don't have a tefach at the top, even though you don't have a tefach within three tefachim, nevertheless, because the angle is wide enough, it generates or it creates a situation in which the wall also acts as the roof. That's how you get an ohel over here. So Rashi says, what's that qualification? That it has to be tefachim wide at the bottom. It has to reach two tefach wide at the bottom, meaning that from the center point, the bottom on one side is extends a tefach, and the other side extends a tefach. That's already a wide enough angle where you've created an ohel, and the shipuye olim or kiolim damu. That's the way Rashi reads it. Oh, so Rashi asks you a question. Very good. So Fred says, what type of bed is this? Two tefachim wide. Nobody's going inside that bed. Rashi says, it's decorative in nature, it's not functional in nature. That's exactly what Rashi says. It's made to decorate the bed or decorative for the bed. It's not made to sleep under. So I guess when they came there, they used to throw it up, pull it off, and then go sleep on the bed. So it was decorative, not functional, and that's how we answer the problem. So even though it's only two tefachim wide, and that's considered to be an ohel, it's not an ohel that's going to be functional now, it's just an halachic ohel. And that's what creates the problem, not because you're going to sleep under this ohel now. That's why Rashi explains it. Tosafot, you can see, says, the first line in Tosafot, it's a giveaway, he says, Harba ech It's very hard to understand what is going on over here. What exactly is the scenario? So he gives a number of suggestions. He says one of them is that this is a multi-layered canopy. Their multi-bars are multi-layered canopy. What they did was they didn't put it on properly, and therefore it dropped through some of the earlier bars and came down on a sharper angle. That's one explanation he gives. The other one he says, That you have to give some height. According to Rashi, he never explains to you how much time do you have for it to extend from the top, the peak, out of tefach. That's what it says, it has to be within 10 tefachim. 10 tefachim from the top, it has to extend it out of tefach, within that 10 tefachim, that makes it into a wall. That's the wider angle that we're looking for. He says in the end, Abushim Rabbeinu Shmuel Perish, Tulogasin on the high lishna klal, Poilim Koalim Damu. He says that the last line here in the Gemara, the Rajbam wipes out. Because the Gemara in Sukkah comes to the opposite conclusion. It says that the Shipuy Alim Enon Koalim. Tosafot tries to differentiate between what we have here and what you need over there. But nevertheless, it is somewhat confusing about what this last piece is speaking about, exactly what we're looking for. You can see that Gotogra eliminates the Gersa entirely because of that difficulty in our Gemara, that this last qualification doesn't exist in the Gemara at all. He takes out the Gersa based on the Rambam and others. This is a separate issue, which is, if the canopy not only covers the bed, but drops over the sides of the bed, and it falls a tefach below the side of the bed, then the problem with the canopy is not the canopy itself, but the bed itself. The bed now, which is a canopy, and now he's dropping walls over the side of the bed. So he's creating an ohel by having the canopy fall over the sides of the bed and creating a, a ohel. The bed existed. Now he's putting walls on the side of the bed, and that's the problem there. He's making the ohel with the bed itself. It says important implications, by the way, in terms of tefach, in terms of sukkah. We usually don't use this hat there, but by sukkah, 
If someone has at the top of their sukkah has a tefach of a wall that drops down, then from there we say, and if, for instance, this happens many times, a person by accident put up their schach before they put up the walls. You need to put up the walls first because the schach has to be a cover, as I mean, oh well, that sits on walls. So many times people make the mistake and they put up their schach first, and then they put up the walls, which is what we call taseh velomina sui. You're creating an ohel. After the ohel is already made, the schach's up, and then you put up the walls, you have to make the sukkah, and here the sukkah is already done when you put up the walls. So what you'd have to do then is raise all the schach on top, lift it up, and uh, replace it lishma. The one heter to get out of that problem is if there's a tefach worth of wall on the side that exists already. There's already a tefach there, the Ramah says that you read pia tikra therefore that's considered to be a wall on that side, and therefore when you add the wall later, that was just extending the existing wall that was there, and therefore, you do not have to. The, the schach was good when you put it up the first time, and you do not have to lift it up again. So in many cases, that's the saving grace. Right? It's an interesting note. This tefach, where it drops down the side of the wall, becomes an issue with regards to sukkah. We'll get there. Right? Don't we have a writer that says... Alright, it's been said by Moraim that Siana is a sur. Siana, according to Rashi, is a kovasha levat, which is a felt cap. Felt cap that has a brim on it. It has either a beak or a brim that's around it. And that extends now outward. So are you allowed to wear that on Shabbat or not? Are you creating an ohel when you put on such a hat? Lokasha. Depends how wide the brim is. Depends how wide the, the, the beak is. If it extends out more than a tefach, then you have an ohel. If it's less than a tefach, then you don't have an ohel. That's the first answer that we deal with here. Then the Gemara says, If that's the case, Shaviv Biglima, Tefach, Achanami Demichayev. If you wear a tunic, or here it's like a cloak that has a hood on it, that has some sort of head covering associated with it, and then you pull the head covering over your head, and it extends outward a tefach. So you're going to tell me now that that's a sur, that's problematic, it's a part of your clothing, and it extends out of tefak, that's problematic. Now here, there's a question about whether the word ella should be found in the Gemara. I think it makes a difference, I didn't see directly anybody says it, but if you say lokasha, the Gemara is addressing the difference between the si'ana, the hat, and the case of the glima. That would be if you just said it without the word Ella. If you have the word Ella, Ella goes back to modify the first time that we made a differentiation. The way we answered the hat problem originally is to say that it was a tefach and not a tefach, and that presented us the problem of the glima. But if you say now Ella, but, no, this is the distinction you should draw in that cap, in the hat, and that distinction, once you do that, the glima will not be a problem anymore. So it makes a difference how you read it, whether it has the Ella or not. Is the Ella going back and trying to readdress the hat issue? Or if you have it without Ella, it's trying to differentiate between the hat and the cloak. What's the difference between them? Whether it's tied on tightly or not tied on tightly. So Rashi says the difference between it being tied on tightly or not is that the fear that we have here is not Mishum Ohel. It's not a problem. We don't want you to have wings and have the hat take off. Because if it gets blown off your head, then you're going to chase down the hat and you're going to have to pick it up and you're going to carry it. So if the hat... If it's tightly situated on your head, then we don't worry about it, because it's not going to get blown off, and then we don't worry about you carrying it. On the other hand, if it's loose on your head, then we do worry about it, 
Because if it gets blown up, you're going to come to carry it. That's Rashi's solution. Rashi says we're out of the world of Ohel now. It's just simply a question of is it going to stay on your head or not stay on your head. The Rach, brought by Toso, the Rebbeinu Chananel, suggests you don't need Paf. Does Ohel. Depends how straight it is. It says that if you tie it tight, it's going to stay, it's going to extend outward, and it's going to look like it's an Ohel. And then the Loma Adek, if you don't tie it tight, Shirinikfaf, and it folds over because you didn't tie it tight in place, as in Nirak, you know, it doesn't look like an OL. I think you could have said just the opposite of what he says. If you tie it tight and it folds down, then it's not an OL. And if it extends outward, it is an OL. So the Raf stays within the world of OL and says the problem here is simply whether it looks like an OL or it doesn't look like an OL. It depends if you tighten it or don't tighten it. Rashi says we're leaving the world of OL, and now we're talking about a problem of carrying. But either way, the Gemara is trying to address when these things are mutar and when these things are asur. Hanach Mile Maliyoto the Amartlan Mishme Dirav. The Ize is is addressing him in a complimentary manner or something that represented somebody of stature. Hanach Mile Maliyato. Say over some of these great words that you told us, Mishme Dirav. Tarte Bishabat, you told us two things from Rav with regards to the Dine Shabbat. Fakada Bitorah, and one about the Torah. Shalakhlay, Hadatanya. So he sent him that which we have a brighter. Good Bikisna Mutar Lintota Bishabat. So good is what we bumped into before in the Gemara. The good was the flask, that large flask. So now it says good bikisna is good It's hanging on its normal place. So that's what the bright is speaking about. It's good that's hanging in its normal place. It's stretched out and hanging on the poles that are extended there. In that case, mutar You can put it on on Shabbat. It's only true if two people do it. But if it's one person, you're not allowed to do it. What's the problem of one person? So Rashi says, You can't stretch it out well. When it's one person, you can really tie it down tight and pull it out. That's what Rashi says. Another interpretation, which is that if he's doing it alone, he can tie one side, then pull it out, stretch it out, and then tie the other side. So end up pulling it out or stretching it out better because he'll tie each one separately versus two people doing it at the same time. They're trying to tie it simultaneously, it'll never tie straight. The question here is when you stretch it out, how well will it be extended? Does it really look like an OL? So here, if it's done by one person, it will look like an OL. Either Garachi says because you're going to extend it well, or according to the other day old because of the way you're going to tie it down. Whereas if two people do it, it won't be extended well because they're trying to do it at the same time. They never get it pulled out well. And number two is you're going to tie it simultaneously instead of doing it one by one. So you won't get it stretched out well. So that's Rav's qualification of the Braitha. That's the first din of Rav that he's saying over. It can be, even if ten people are doing it, then it's Ashur. There's no way that you're not going to extend it somehow. You're not going to pull it out well. And when you put on the canopy, the nature of the canopy is because of the way it's set up, will stretch it out. And even if you have multiple people doing it, it'll end up getting stretched out. As opposed to this flask, which the nature of the flask is to be mikavates. It'll shrink back to its flask size. Then you have to put a lot of force to keep it open. So you have to counter the normal shape of the flask, which is to be tighter together. And so therefore, you need a lot of effort in order to get it extended. And when you have multiple people, it won't work so well. By the kila, you're dealing with a canopy, you're dealing with something that's natural state is to be extended. And therefore, if you pull it out, even if 10 people are doing it, it's going to get extended because you're not fighting against any natural force that's going to pull it back. Idach mahi, what's the other din in Shabbat that you wanted to say over from Rav? The Tanya, kira shenishmeta achat miyarkotea mutar letaltola. If you have 
Now, generally we say a kira is a small stove. Over here, the Aruch says that a kira is a kli matechet. Metallic kli, some sort of cauldron. It's not necessarily a stove like we talk about in other places, which would make more sense here because the stove doesn't make so much sense. And also that earlier in the Masechta that the Gemara discussed, Rashi mentions that a kira only has three feet. Over here it seems to be that this kli has four feet to it. One of its feet is missing. You can still carry it around because you could stand it up on three feet even though one of the feet is missing. Shtaim, if it's missing, two of them are sore. You can no longer carry it around because it's no longer functional. The problem is that you're going to have two feet missing. You put it down, it's going to fall over. It's going to tip over. So it's not going to be functional. And it's moksa. Number two, because what are you going to do? If it isn't functional, you're going to put the foot back in. By putting the foot back in, you're going to be doing a quasi-bonet on Shabbat. Rav Amar, afilu chad nami asur. Rav says, even if one foot is missing, it's problematic. Because maybe you'll plug it in tightly. So Rav says that if even if one foot is missing and it fell out, we don't let you carry this glee because you might pick up the foot that's missing and plug it back in. And that's the problem here. Unlike the Tanakama who's looking at functionality and saying, look, if it still functions, you're not going to do that. If it still functions, we're not worried about you putting the peg back in. So if it's missing one foot, it'll function, so you're not worried about putting it back. Two feet are missing, now we start to worry because it's not functional, then you're going to do something. Rav says even with one foot missing, nobody likes to have their pot missing that foot. So they're going to stick it back in. They're going to plug it back in. It's going to be put in tightly. And that's a problem of bonet on Shabbat. Torah. What was the member that you heard from Rav in Torah? Damarav, Atida Torah Shetish Takach Yisrael. In the future, Torah will be forgotten from amongst Kalal Yisrael. Shinemar. Because the Pesach says, Vifla Hashem Makotcha. That Hashem will make the punishments that you receive great, wondrous, which is found in the Tochacha in Pashat Kitavo. Hafla azu eni I don't know what this hafla is. What does it mean that there are going to be wondrous punishments that come to you? Shomer. When I have the postdoc that's found in Shayao, Lucheni Ninio Sifla, Flea to Amaze, Haflaiva fella, I'm going to continue to make these wondrous things happen to this nation. Things that are beyond one's comprehension. So there, as Tarashi points out, we're missing the latter half of the Pasuk. The end of the Pasuk is Savi Krav, Avdah Chachmat Chachamav. And the wisdom of the wise will disappear. So the Pasuk there is referencing to wisdom or to Torah. When he's saying that the hafla, hafla is defined as wisdom. So Avi Omer, hafla zu Torah. What's going to be the wondrous, and again wondrous in a negative sense, so flash and makotcha, punishment is that Torah will disappear. It's because there are three memorials that Rav said, three memorials he heard from Rav Huna in the name of Rav. So he said, please remind me what you told me in the name of Rav. So even though they were not necessarily connected, they were three items that he had heard from Ravuna in the name of Rav, Ravuna being a Talmud of Rav. And so Rami Chesu just sent him, please remind me those three things that you told me before. So they're not necessarily connected. Obviously, two of them are about Shabbat, and that's why it's found over here. The Rabbanan went into Karen Biyavna. They're called Karen Biyavna because they said Shirot Shirot. They said in rows in a semicircle Talmudim that we're learning there. The future Torah will be forgotten from Kali Soshanemar. He lets them know that there are going to be days that come. And there will be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, for bread, and not thirst for water. They hear the word of Hashem. They're going to travel, they're going to move from the ocean to ocean, meaning from the Dead Sea to the Mediterranean, Mitzafon, Vad Mizrach, from the north until the east, Ishotutu, they will float around the location of Hashem to find the word of Hashem, and they will not succeed. Devar Hashem, Zu Halacha. That's one interpretation. Devar Hashem is Halacha. Number two is Devar Hashem, Zakates. 
That is the end of days. That is prophecy. So here the Gemara says each one of these three items we find that are defined as being Dvar Hashem. As Rashi points out, Halacha is Dvar Hashem, because we know when Moshe is speaking to Bnei Yisrael and Dvarim, that's Torah. Nevoah, because it's Dvar Hashem, so we see the word Dvar Hashem is said about Nevoah. Zakates, Rashi says, I don't know where the Gemara got that from. Tosafot offers an alternative. Yes, there is. Dichtiv Gabe Galut Shivim. And in Ezra, when it talks about the end of the exile, the 70 years of exile in Bavel, it says at the end of the period, the word that had come from Yirmiyo, so you see over there that Yirmiyo had spoken about when the redemption would be, that's referring to the Kates. So the Dvar Hashem that will not be available is Halacha, Torah, Kates, the end of days when the Mashiach will come, and Nevoah, prophecy. What does it mean that they're going to float around to find the word of Hashem? A woman in the future will take a loaf of Chumab, she'll go around to the shuls and to the Batei Midrashot, to figure out whether it's Tamei or Tahor. Ve'ein mevin, im Tahorai, ve'im Tameyahi. So the says that nobody will know whether the Truma is Tamei or Tahorah. It says, Behejek Tibbeh. That's a Mufurash Pasuk in the Torah. Nobody's going to have any uncertainty about that. You can just open up the Torah and read it. You'll know what it says. It says, Mikola Ochel Asher Yachel, that any food that you eat can become Tamei. So why is there any question? So Ella Leidai Mishonahi, ve'im Shniahi, ve'ein mevin. She wants to know whether it's a Rishon the Tuma or a Shani the Tuma. It says, Anami Matnitani. That's an explicit mission. If you have a sheretz, one of the shratzim that is tamei, found in the oven, the bread that's found in the oven is a sheni latuma. Because the oven itself is a rishon latuma, and the bread becomes a sheni latuma. The sheretz is an avatuma. It conveys tuma to the kli to the oven, and makes it a rishon latuma. And then the Rishon the Tumah conveys that Tumah to the Ochel, makes it into Esheni the Tumah. What's the Safaker? What's the problem over here? Everything seems to be pretty clear. It's an explicit Pasuk in the Torah, an explicit Mishnah. If you want to forget something, it should be something that you need knowledge, you need more information about. It's interesting here that the Gemara takes it for granted that they would know about Torah, that they would have knowledge of Torah. We know from the Navi already, the time of Yoshiawa Melech, when they find a Sefer Torah and they read it before the people, they didn't have a clue what was found in it. They didn't know about the Pesach. And in addition, in Nehemia, on Rosh Hashanah, when Ezra and Nehemia read the Sefer Torah, the people didn't have a clue that there was a holiday of Sukkot. So there are times when the Torah is forgotten, even Tarsh Bechtav, even things that are explicit in the Psukim. But the Gemara here does not assume that that would be the case. They assume that there would at least be some basic knowledge of Torah, basic knowledge of Tarsh Baalpeh. It would be the more complex issues that will be forgotten. Right, it says, the question they're going to have is something that's brought up in the Gemara Psachim. A question that Rav Adabahava asks of Rav, looks like, hi, Tanura, command the Mali Tuma. Let's look at the Tanura as if it's full of Tuma, but Davi Pat Rishona. And that the Pat is really a Rishon the Tuma. So the way it's functioning here is we're talking about a Kli Cheres. Kli Cheres is Mikabel Tuma Mitocho and not Migabo. It has Tuma from the inside, not from the outside. Even internally in the klicheres, it's the airspace conveys tumah. It doesn't actually have to be in contact with the tumah. If a sheretz hangs down into the oven, it conveys tumah, and the oven becomes tamay, even though it never touched the oven. Now you also have food in there. You can imbue this in one of two ways. Is the oven tamay because the avir, the airspace, makes the oven tamay? And that's how we come tamay? Or is it to me? Because once the sheretz is in the airspace of the oven, we look at it as if it fills the entire airspace of the oven. 
The difference will be what's the status of the food. If we simply say the tumah is conveyed through the airspace, that means that the sheretz is an ala tumah. The oven becomes a risho on the tumah because it's accepting the tumah through the airspace. And then it goes back as mitamei, the ochel that's there, makes it into a sheni, the tumah. But if you look at it as if the sheretz is filling the entire oven, then not only did the sheretz touch the oven, it also came into contact with the food and makes it into a rishon the tumah. So that's the suffix they're going to have. They're not going to know whether the food is really a rishon the tumah or a sheni the tumah because they're not going to remember whether you look at the sheretz inside the klicheres, inside the tanur, as being airspace conveying tumah or as if you filled the whole area with the sheretz. So that's going to be their suffix. The tanya, we have a praita. You would think that utensils that fall into the airspace of a klicheres should become Anything inside the klicheres becomes tamei. The next pasuk begins. So what's inside of it that's going to become tamei? Only food. Food can become tamei inside of a klicheres, but kelim do not become tamei inside of a klicheres. Why is that? The difference being that a keli can only accept tumah from an avatumah. Keli can only be a rishon the tumah. So only if it comes into contact with an avatumah does it become tamei. We just explained how does the klicheres work. Klicheres works is that the sheretz comes in and makes the oven tamay, a rishon the tumah, and then anything found in the oven becomes a sheni the tumah because it's getting its tumah from the klicheres, from the oven. If that's the case, whatever's in the oven will only become a sheni the tumah. That only works by food, not by kelim. That's the two things we learned from this pasuk. Number one is that food can become a sheni the tumah and it's not commanded mal yodami. It's not as if it's filled in. And number two is that any other keli will not accept tumah inside the oven because it would only be a sheni the tumah. And kelim don't accept the sheni the tumah, they only accept the tumah. They have to be in contact with an ava tumah. And here we don't look at the oven as it's full of an ava tumah, and therefore the kelim are not ava tumah. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon Ba Yochayomer, Chas Vishalom, Shitish Takach, Torah Mi Yisrael. There's no way that Torah will be forgotten from Ba'is Oshinemar. Kilotishkach Mipizaro. It will be not forgotten from your descendants. That they will search, they will float around looking for the Dvar Hashem and not find it. They will not find a clear halacha, a clear psak, and a mishnah bura in the source in one place. Meaning that halacha bura is the explanation for the psak or the explanation for the machloket. Mishnah in general, when the Gemara talks about mishnah, it talks about knowledge. That's pure knowledge, knowing the Torah Shabbat having the information about the Torah Shabbat we are Allah is the explanation. So there won't be in one place someone who has the body of the Torah altogether and knows the explanation of the reasons behind why the Allah is this way. There'll be a bifurcation between these two areas of study. There'll be some people who know everything and there'll be other people who have the explanations for them and the two won't be together. It won't be in one place. You won't be able to get that solution in one place, which will make it difficult to learn. And this will generate tremendous machloket in Klal Yisrael, the situation in which we live in today. All right, we'll stop over here.